Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, overseeing our TOSIC Phase 1 and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to welcome Dr. Shilpa Gopta, a member of our TOSIC GU program. She's here today to discuss clinical trials in bladder cancer. Shilpa, can you tell me a little bit about your role here at Cleveland Clinic? Thanks, Dale. Um, yes, I joined Cleveland Clinic uh, last year in June uh, from University of Minnesota, and um, my role here is to lead the bladder cancer program, and it's an exciting place to be, uh, and we're doing some really uh, nice work in this field. I know that you presented some preliminary results from a phase two trial of, of something called the bladder cancer signal-seeking trial at the GU ASCO meeting earlier this year. Can, can you maybe tell us a little bit about that study and, and about the findings and, and what you, uh, you told everyone about? Yes, sure. Uh, so this was an investigator-initiated trial that I led. Um, as you noted, this is a bladder cancer signal-seeking trial one. Uh, the standard of care for muscle-invasive bladder cancer is chemotherapy with cisplatin and gemcitabine. And pathologic response rates are um, not uh, great just with chemotherapy. And we wanted to see if adding immunotherapy to this chemotherapy combination can enhance pathologic responses and uh, survival outcomes as immunotherapy is widely used in metastatic disease with a great uh, response rate and outcomes. So we did this uh, multi-institutional study across three sites, University of Minnesota, uh, Dana-Farber, and University of Utah. We enrolled 41 patients between February 2018 and June 2019 with muscle-invasive bladder cancer, and patients received four cycles of gemcitabine and cisplatin with nivolumab added on day eight of each cycle. Um, all patients received um, all the four cycles except for two patients who received only two cycles. The primary endpoint was pathologic downstaging to PT1 or below at surgery. And the study was um, aimed at achieving at least 45% at cystectomy. And our study actually uh, surpassed that. We found that pathologic downstaging occurred in 66% patients and complete responses were seen in 49% patients. And more importantly, uh, the combination was very safe with no uh, increased toxicities from the combination. There were no uh, grade four or grade five events, no delayed or immediate immune-related adverse events which affected timing of surgery. So these results were very promising overall. So historically, neoadjuvant trials are difficult. What was the key to success in getting this trial to, to happen? So the key, I think, was a great uh, multidisciplinary team effort. Uh, my urology colleagues, especially Dr. Kennedy, uh, who was the chair there, and Dr. Chris Waite were really uh, strong advocates for this trial and uh, were making sure that we enroll as many patients on this. And it's really important for us to engage our urologists for these studies. As you know, without the surgeon's uh, enthusiasm and involvement, we really can't lead these successfully. And, uh, you know, within a year, we completed our enrollment. It was pretty remarkable. And uh, our other two uh, sites which participated, again, had great urology and medong team. So that, I would say, was the key to our success. 
So how are you taking the findings of that and transferring that here to, to what you're doing here at Cleveland Clinic? Yeah, so based on these findings, this is the only phase two trial which has uh, shown that nivolumab is safe with chemotherapy. BMS is doing a phase three randomized trial, which we are involved in um, with the protocol development. Um, so that's called the Energize trial. We currently have that open at Cleveland Clinic. It's a multi-arm trial with the Gemsys as the control arm. And the other two arms have Gemsys and nivolumab and Gemsys nivolumab plus IDO inhibitor. So it's really uh, taking a step further by adding another immunotherapy agent. And um, after cystectomy, patients would continue immunotherapy if they are on those arms. So this is really a nice segue to validate these findings in a randomized fashion. So how about patients? Um, are they leery to enroll in trials that delay surgery? What have you found and how have you sort of managed to offset their concerns? Yeah, so no, that's a very valid concern. And in our phase two trial, we showed that there were no delays to surgery. Uh, everybody got operated within the eight to 10 week period. And other immunotherapy trials um, have also alleviated this concern. And our patients here know that in any case, even if they don't go on a trial, 12 weeks of chemotherapy is standard. And after that, within six to eight weeks, they get operated upon. So that concern, I would say, is not a factor at all. In fact, most patients are reading about it and asking us to enroll them on something with immunotherapy. So patients are quite aware of these trials. It does seem to be a common question, doesn't it? Yes. And how do you see this moving forward? Certainly, this is a trial that's going to answer some important questions, and we won't exactly know this answer for a while, but are there going to be other trials that you're looking into with similar approaches to offer to patients, or what does the landscape look like? Yes, absolutely. Our goal is to develop um, novel agents in combination with chemo and immunotherapy uh, trials. So we are right now uh, looking at developing a trial for patients who are not eligible for cisplatin, who usually just undergo cystectomy, although um, some Early trials have shown that single-agent immunotherapy may be effective, but that is early data. And right now, we want to see how best to achieve pathologic downstaging in those patients. So we are developing something with uh, atezolizumab and cabozancanib, which is a VEGF uh, inhibitor. So those are some of the other uh, directions we're taking in other uh, settings, like cisplatin ineligible setting. And based on this trial, we actually got a Department of Defense uh, IDEA Award for this year, uh, looking at immune biomarkers, like resistance and uh, response biomarkers to immunotherapy. And the cool thing about that is that we will incorporate artificial intelligence and develop comprehensive biomarkers. So we have the cohort of our trial, the BLAST one, which is immunotherapy and chemotherapy. And Dr. Peter Black, who's a collaborator from Vancouver, he has a cohort of his patients who received only Gemsys chemotherapy. And Dr. Andrea Necki from uh, Italy has done single-agent pembrolizumab trial in the same setting. So we will compare the pre- and post-treatment tissues for sequencing, DNA-RNA sequencing, and novel immunologic biomarkers, and then come up with algorithms to predict which patients may respond to therapy and do all patients need chemotherapy 
and uh, Dr. Taihyun Wong from the Learner Research Institute is a collaborator on that grant as well. That's really helpful because uh, it's always important when, as we expand our therapies, uh, who's truly going to benefit from them. So, what about things in the in the adjuvant setting? Can you tell me a little bit about what we're doing in that setting? Yes, absolutely. So, right now, the standard of care for urothelial cancer adjuvant uh, setting is evolving uh, for bladder cancer patients since majority do get neoadjuvant chemo at uh, academic institutions especially. We don't offer adjuvant chemotherapy and the recent trial with atezolizumab adjuvant uh, immunotherapy was negative uh, which was disappointing. So several trials are still ongoing in that field, but we are very proud to be a part of the PROOF 302 trial on which I'm um, involved in its development. It's primarily for upper tract urothelial cancer patients because in upper tract, it's found that fibroblast growth factor receptor is expressed up to 70 to 80% uh, patients. So in that trial, we are prospectively selecting based on the biomarker and if patients have residual disease, which is invading the muscle at the time of either nephroureterectomy or cystectomy, and if they express the FGFR3 biomarker, then they're randomized to an FGFR3 inhibitor or placebo, which is reasonable as there is really no standard for those patients. So that is uh, something our urologists here at Glickman are very excited about and um, are deferring patients for that. So you mentioned upper tract disease and... And so certainly one of the things we see a lot here at Cleveland Clinic are rare diseases, and that's kind of a focus is, is uh, seeing people who may have more unusual types of cancer. What about the more unusual histologies? Do we have any efforts ongoing for uh, differing histologies? Yes, that's, that's an excellent question, Dale. As you know, most of these uh, bigger trials usually exclude small cell cancers, even though they allow other histologies as long as there's some urothelial cancer present. But we want to develop something in small cell uh, with our colleagues like Dr. Omar Mian from Radonk, who has interest in that uh, as a basic scientist. So we, we are thinking of uh, coming up with a chemo plus immunotherapy trial just for small cell bladder cancer patients, even though it is rare, but we do see quite a handful over a year. So I think it's worth a multi-institutional effort we need to look at. So what do you think is the, the biggest key to, to building what has become a, a really robust bladder cancer research program here at Cleveland Clinic? Yeah, I think the team here is really fantastic. Um, you know, all the urology colleagues, radiation oncology colleagues, Dr. Mian, who actually is leading another Department of Defense TTSA grant this year, and I'm the co-PI on that, along with Dr. Taihyun Wong. And uh, our uh, really vibrant group of research uh, personnel and colleagues. And I think the big uh, plus here is the patient volume. We have the opportunity to put on trials. Now, you know, not every place has all these uh, good combinations. And I find within my short time here, the time to opening trials is improving as we go. And I think you would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. So any, uh, any keys to involving all the patients that are being seen in, in our regional practices? So, you know, certainly people who might be listening may not be associated with a large institution and they may, you know, be needing to partner with somebody to send patients. And how do we get the word out 
to people who might not be associated with an academic center about what's going on and and how we can uh, get those patients involved in some of these trials? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I would um, love to get involved with some efforts of um, sending out communication newsletters, or I think this cancer advances circulation should help also. Typically, I try to reach out to the ones I know uh, personally to see if they have patients to refer to us. But I think as an institutional-wide effort, it would be good to have a disease-specific flyer go out to these. um, Do we do that for other diseases? Would love to. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, I think all the programs is we're trying to get that outreach because you realize that that so many patients are not being treated in the the primary academic centers. So, but we do uh, for our GU group. We have um, the list, uh, several list for everybody out in the community, including urologists and uh, medical oncologists. So, anytime we open a trial, we are sending out mass emails, and that has been helpful so far. Yeah, and I think the key is just uh, being available. So, if people yeah. call and or send an email and ask if we have something available to to reach out and, and collaborate with people. So yep. I think that helps. So what, what do you see is, um, you know, that you've certainly talked about some pretty interesting trials. There's some exciting things happening. So anything you're you're uh, looking at is the next big break. You know, certainly immunotherapy is, is everyone's interest still, combining with chemotherapy. is it, What's next? Is there any particular thing you're you're looking forward to? Yes, absolutely. So more recently at the annual ASCO meeting, we saw that in the maintenance setting in metastatic urothelial cancer, patients who get first-line platinum-based chemotherapy, which is the current standard, anybody uh, who progresses after that, we already have single-agent immunotherapy approved. But now for the first time, we saw that maintenance immunotherapy for patients who had complete partial responses or stable disease, that improved overall survival. And this was with the value map. We were involved with a phase two trial that we published this year uh, with Pembrolizumab, which also showed improvement in progression-free survival. That was a phase two trial. But this phase three trial, which was a registrational trial, uh, has led to the FDA approval. And we had been thinking of this even before these results came out, and I'll be leading a trial with Alliance for the setting of bladder cancer patients who get platinum-based chemo and then who don't progress on it. We randomized them to Pembro versus cabozantinib and Pembro to basically intensify the outcomes and responses in those good patients who we can catch early on instead of waiting until they progress. And I think that is the key we learned that uh, by the time patients progress, it is too late. So how to intensify treatments early on. So that trial is uh, right now uh, in the works uh, and that's really exciting uh, for me. We are collaborating with uh, Dr. Tim Chen for running some correlatives on that and uh, a couple of other folks around the country. It's, It's quite exciting. Well, there really are a lot of exciting things going on in bladder cancer and uh, I appreciate you highlighting them for me. So uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Dale. Have a great day. Thanks for the opportunity. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash cancer advances podcast. 
Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.